Hello and welcome to the DC Drop, where we talk all the news from DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom, and I'm Zach. Let's uh, let's get things going with with the Flash movie here. The Flash movie, more changes with the Flash movie. A long, long process for this film. So the Hollywood Reporter had an exclusive on this. If you remember, WB was supposedly deciding between the John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, those directors, their vision for the film. And Ezra Miller came in wanting a script with Grant Morrison. And WB chose option three of those two. So John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein have voluntarily left the projects, the project they were writing and directing it. But WB also passed on the Ezra Miller Grant Morrison script. But apparently, at least for now, Miller is still attached to star as Barry Allen, The Flash. Uh, they wanted to, him to return to the role, but they don't like his script. So now it looks like Christina Hodson, who wrote the film Bumblebee, the upcoming Birds of Prey, and possibly Batgirl for DC, is now expected to write the script. Andy Muschietti, who f- directed Mama and It, and the upcoming It Chapter 2, is set to direct, although no official offer has been made yet. No deals have been finalized for those two. If this goes through, Barbara Muschietti, who is Andy's sister and business partner, would produce, along with Michael Disco, who is previously attached. So, thoughts here? Yeah, there is a, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to kind of unravel and to try to follow. And honestly, it's getting a little tiring, like trying to follow all the different changes that have happened to this. I, at some point, I'm like, I mean, in some way, I'm a little excited, like, because again, it seems like we're moving forward with the Flash movie, which is all that I really want to happen at the end of the day is I just want this movie to come out so I can see it. And this seems like a step in the right direction. But we've also said that a few times where that it seemed like they were taking a step in the right direction, like, oh, we finally got a director, we finally got a writer. And so, um, I don't know, they, they seem to be really impressed with Christina Hudson, giving her a lot of different um, projects. I didn't see Bumblebee. It was, it got rated pretty well. It did pretty well at the box office. So it seems like she's She's at least got one pretty good film under under her belt. And if they like what they see from her, um, it's cool to keep her involved in these projects. I wonder how much time she has to spend on all of them at the same time. But um, and it also makes you wonder, you know, how much longer is it going to be before this movie actually starts filming and actually comes out? Well, yeah, absolutely. This means it's kind of going back to square one. It's actually taking a step backwards. Now, that could be better. Sometimes you take one step backwards and then you take two steps forward, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is exhausting. And it's kind of like, OK, just. Whatever happens, just if a Flash movie is filming or released, somebody can uh, can tell me. But until then, it's kind of like, well, who knows what will happen? Because if you remember years and years ago, this film has been talked about since at least 2014. Phil Lord and Chris Miller wrote a treatment uh, with the possibility to direct. They went on to do Solo instead. Then Seth Graham Smith was going to direct it until after BVS. Then he left. Rick Famuyiwa was going to direct. WB apparently didn't like the script there. Then there's no director for a long time. And then Francis Daly and Goldstein at the beginning of last year were attached, have spent probably more than a year of time on this movie and are now moving on. Uh, which, understandably, if WB, if the star of the movie didn't like their script, uh, I don't think that would create a, so much that he went on to write his own. I don't think that would create a good working environment. So it's understandable why they would want to move on. But yeah, just a, a lot going on with this film. I will say, yes, Bumblebee got really good reviews. It, I, I have only seen It of Annie Muschietti's work, and I thought it was really good. I'm not a big horror fan, but I thought that was a really good film. Uh, what would he do with The Flash? I have no idea. Um, he could make a really great fat Flash, and I think this is a good, this is maybe the best combination of writer-director combination on this since 
the possibility of Phil Lord and Chris Miller was a thing. So that's good at least. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, I think a, a great flash film could be made. I don't know if and when that will happen. But this, these are two talented people who you think uh, DC would definitely want to work with. Do you think the fact that they, they passed on the Ezra Miller script? I mean, they say that Miller's still attached as Barry Allen, the Flash. But, you know, we're like almost two years away from when Justice League came out, the last time that the general audience has seen Ezra Miller as the Flash. And he obviously wasn't super happy with the process behind the scenes. Hopefully this is something that he takes as a positive step. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they end up getting a different Flash, especially if this film gets delayed even more. Nothing, I mean, really nothing would shock me with yeah. with this project or anything that's going on. I I still really think Ezra Miller can be a great Flash. I think he's incredibly talented, uh, and I wouldn't want to see him go. But really, if if they do depart from Ezra Miller, I'd still rather them not do a Flash movie for a while and, and do something else until the TV show's done and then maybe come back to doing it, especially if they're not going to do a Justice League or a team-up, then they don't need to go out of their way to establish the Flash. So... Um, yeah, I don't want another actor to play the part and, and there's nothing in this article to suggest that Miller is leaving. So, I mean, that's just pure speculation on our part, but I wouldn't want to see him be replaced. Yeah. I really hope that he does stay on it. Like this, like you said, in the article, it says he is, he is staying on and I really, really enjoyed him as a flash. Um, I haven't seen it, um, from Muschietti, but I trust your judgment. If it's a good movie that he knows how to make good movies. Well, yes, yes, you should definitely trust uh, my judgment there. So the article also says WB hopes to be in prep by January 2020. So I'm assuming that means pre-production, which would hint towards a late spring or summer filming. The only problem with that is I would assume Fantastic Beasts 3 would be filming in the summer. So we could run into that problem of are they trying to rush it to get it filmed before Ezra Miller has to do Fantastic Beasts 3 in the summer? Or if they don't get it ready in time, is it then going to be pushed back to fall 2020 you know we're going through that process again um because fantastic beasts 3 is scheduled for 2021 release which means they'll probably be filming summer of next year and uh yeah uh, uh this is a lot of behind the scenes drama on this project yeah and that's one of the that's one of the worrying things is like about the schedule wise is especially with ezra miller i want him to stay the flash but he's also a very talented actor and has a lot of other stuff to do and a lot of other opportunities and so like you said with fantastic beasts or any other project he's involved in it's going to get harder and harder to to schedule his time for a huge long shoot that it's going to take to make a big uh superhero film yeah and the report was his holding deal would be up for the flash in may but they could have extended that obviously and and done something with that but Muschietti's name was previously mentioned with justice league dark that was back before it came out and he decided to do it chapter two instead i think he would be a more natural more obvious fit maybe for something like justice league dark but there's no reason to think he can't do a flash movie yeah there was i think there is similar i think james wan had like the the fast and furious movie as well but he was primarily a horror movie and then um with shazam sandberg and shazam as well i think they've they've definitely have really good relationships with these horror directors and they know how to to turn around and make a, a pretty good movie so far yeah there's a huge really good track record of horror directors doing superhero movies for whatever reason dating back to richard donner yeah uh, so uh yeah I, I think it would be cool to see a horror director come on something like justice league dark but that is besides the point who knows if that is even in any form of development speaking of james wan he says the next film he is likely to direct will not be aquaman 2 he did an interview 
promoting the recent animal film, The Conjuring spinoff, and asked if he was directing Aquaman next. He said it won't be Aquaman 2 just yet. I have something else I'm cooking up. I'm not ready to share just yet. So one is still not confirmed to direct Aquaman 2. I don't think there's any reason to suggest he won't. I still think ultimately he will come back. He's waiting for the script to be done. This is an interview with Cinema Blend, by the way. I'm sure he's just waiting for the script to come back. And once he gets that how he to his liking, he will be ready to direct it. But there's no reason he can't direct something smaller in the meantime and, and still hit the December 2022 date for Aquaman 2. Yeah, that's the really nice thing about too. If he, if his next little project is a horror film, they they typically don't take very long, don't have a very big budget, and so he could definitely fill his time with doing something like that or executive producing on some other things, whatever he wants to do. But yeah, uh, like you said, I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be the director for Aquaman two. I think it would be a bad decision on WB's, WB's part and a bad decision on James Wan's part. I think they both know that it would be a good thing for him to direct it. Yeah, absolutely. He's certainly able to multitask while Aquaman 2, the script is being worked on to direct something else. And he's been doing that for years. And I, I for just a sense I get is he wants to do the next Aquaman film. He just wants to do something else in between. Except Marco Roby did a Birds of Prey. Uh, she talked about Birds of Prey in an interview with Vogue. Um, so the interview actually occurred on the set of that film. Um, but there wasn't a ton of new details or things to, to glean from it. It did mention that there was a budget of 75 million for the film which seems about right that i think a little bit higher than i thought it would be but seems about right yeah that's not really surprising based on what we've heard of it i I will say it's just weird to me that the swamp thing budget we heard higher numbers for that it's just weird that um wb is going small on the big screen and and bigger on streaming and stuff i just think that's kind of weird but uh yeah just a it's a neat interview if you want to check out some of Robbie's thoughts on how she gets into producing and specifically with birds of prey and stuff like that, but not really much we can talk about or stuff we haven't heard before. Yeah. There were a few little points about, you know, the differences in the film because it is a, there's a female producer, director, star and everything. So uh, some things about it being all female led, which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, also teen Titans go versus teen Titans uh, has been officially announced as the next movie that's coming out featuring those two properties. So it got teased in the credit scene of teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, if you saw that, if you didn't see it, check it out. It's pretty funny. Um, and it's going to feature the team from teen Titans go and the Titans from the 2003 animated series. And they also released trailer on YouTube. It looks fun. I'm sure they'll have fun with it. Uh, it's kind of weird, but cool to hear the same voices, but the different styles so little robin and bigger slightly more serious i wouldn't i struggle to call the teen titans 2003 animated series serious but it is very serious when compared to teen titans go so i think they will have a lot of fun with that i can see a lot of opportunity for humor there and i know a lot of people will be glad to see that animated series back yeah and i really enjoyed teen titans go to the movies so um i i left at the childish humor so i think i'll <laughs> i'll enjoy this as well it might even be a little more serious um but yeah it's i don't think this is going to go to the theaters it's going to probably go straight to home media yeah my guess is they didn't hit their whatever goal they had for teen titans go to the movies at the box office so they're just going straight to home media which is fine at least this still gets out there in some capacity yeah and in wb news and sarnoff has been named chairman and ceo of that company she will be replacing kevin sujahara who left the company back in March. She'll be the first female to hold the position in the company's history. She has worked for companies like Viacom, VH1, the WNBA, Dow Jones, Ventures, and most recently she was head of BBC's worldwide 
global production network. So it looks like largely, from what I can gather here, uh, it looks like largely a business hire. She's got a lot of really good business business experience with some big companies and BBC with a content company recently. Uh, that's looks like how she will be, why she will be, why she's named that role because of that experience. Yeah. And you never know, really know how much will change, if anything, when the person at the top changes. Um, it is interesting that the companies she's worked for primarily are known for TV content. And so that might be something that she is more focused on or has more experience in as Warner Brothers tries to get their their streaming service up and running. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if that, that can be a big part of that or streaming experience. It looks like she has. So um, yeah, I, obviously it's tough to judge executives from a distance, but it seems like an encouraging hire with a, a good track record. On to TV, some really, really big news for one of the most acclaimed DC Vertigo in particular series of the last 30 or so years. Neil Gaiman's Sandman has been ordered to series through Netflix. If you don't know what Sandman is, it's this big, dark fantasy comic book series that follows the main character's dream, or Morpheus. He's one of the seven endless. Uh, the series started in 1989, lasted for 75 issues, but it's been expanded in recent years. There's been that Sandman universe that's been going on for a little bit while, some expansions of that that world. But yeah, really one of the most, one of the comic book series you hear about outside of comic book fans uh, for being a big deal and a big thing. Yeah, this is really exciting. It, it also shows that I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about because I think two things. I I said Sandman was never really going to get adapted to live action because of the, the movie that had been kind of in production hell forever, just the Joseph Gordon-Levitt film that never happened. And then I also said Netflix was going to die. And uh, <laughs> those two things are wrong because Sandman is going to come in live action and this is going to single-handedly save Netflix. The first one for sure. The second one, maybe not so much. <laughs> um, yeah, this is pretty big. Uh, the Some form of TV or movie adaptation has been in development since like the 90s, almost nonstop. Uh, some really big ones, including the the most recent big one, like you mentioned, was Joseph Gordon-Levitt to direct and star. A lot of people assumed he would be playing Dream, but you know, Gaiman just said he would have been playing a different character. Um, but yeah, you know, one time HBO was in talks for it and other things like that um but it's now going to netflix and it's going to be dc entertainment's most expensive tv or tv or streaming series ever and there's some really good talent behind it alan heinberg most well known as the co-writer of wonder woman is going to executive produce and be the showrunner david goyer who on tv has done constantine krypton and other things has also done been involved in the dark knight trilogy man of steel is going to executive produce neil gaiman the creator the writer of the original sandman series is also going to executive produce. He is he's done some TV work recently as well. He was the showrunner of Good Omens miniseries. He wrote all those episodes and ran the show. It was an adaptation of his own book, and a lot of his work has been getting adapted lately, like American Gods. And Gaiman, Heinberg, and Goyer will all co-write the first episode. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of really good talent going into this. And um, Gaiman, especially, he like you said, he's been branching out to TV a lot more recently, especially with his original content properties and stuff. So this is this seems like a really natural fit for him to move to next. This is, like you said, one of the one of his most acclaimed um, stories and universes that he created. So yeah, really good talent. Really, really exciting that this is actually actually happening. On Twitter, Gaiman said that season one was going to be eleven episodes and adapt preludes and nocturnes and a little bit more. Preludes and Nocturnes is the name of the first volume of the collection, the first eight issues when it was collected. That's what it was called. 
And he also added, we're making Sandman, not reinventing it, which I think is really cool. I want to see as close to the comic book panels brought to life as possible and, and recapture that, not a, a rein, reinventing of Sandman. I think that's that's what I like in most of my properties and definitely for something like this. Yeah, and especially because it hasn't really been adapted in any other form yet, um, in any big form, yet at least it would be, it makes sense to be pretty faithful to the, the source material um, to not just take the characters and tell a different story with them. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think the streaming style will fit Sandman very well. Like I said, it was 75 issues. You could almost do an issue per episode if it went seven years or so. I don't know how likely that yeah. is on Netflix, but uh, being able to tell this dark fantasy story with big time mythology, I think could be really huge uh, and get people interested in it. Uh, so it said in the article that HBO was approached, but they passed on it because it was expensive and they have other things going on. I'm a little surprised that this is one of WB's bigger things, uh, bigger untapped properties that they have, and it's going outside of the company. They've got their own streaming service coming up. Uh, a lot of people say, why wasn't it on DC Universe? I think this is very expensive for DC Universe, and DC Universe has been heavy just on superhero stuff, so that doesn't surprise me, but why not Warner Media or HBO? But HBO passed, so it is a little surprised to see it go to another service yeah and i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure how it works with when netflix brings on a show like what sort of money they they make available to the production that dc doesn't have to to cover if that if that helps out at all well yeah netflix is going to give a lot of money from wb ups up front so it's kind of a safer safer option for them to get a ton of the article says you know it's a big financial windfall up front whereas if it was their own property it, it could be enticing and maybe in the long term have more financial benefits but yeah and i'm just really curious to see what this looks like i'm sure it will be pretty faithful obviously with with gaming involved but i i wonder what they're going to do especially because there's a lot of dc type characters that fit into this i mean the first arc has john d dr destiny who is the villain in the crossover of the cw last year he plays a big role in it uh batman superman dark side show up at various points, Constantine, all sorts of DC Universe characters, but it's it mostly fits on its own, so I wonder if they're just going to get rid of those type of things. Yeah. It's also it's also curious. It makes me wonder about the timeline, that the fact that HBO was approached but passed on this. I wonder what the timeline was with this and Watchmen, because obviously they they did want to do Watchmen but didn't want to do this, so I wonder if those were if this came first or after, or if they made those decisions at the same time. Yeah, this seems like it came around relatively recently. Gaiman said that the first script hasn't even been written yet so i think it's a, a pretty new decision to give it to to work with netflix on it but yeah, like i said it's a huge thing where it brought in lots of original ideas and characters including lucifer who has the that version of lucifer's on tv he has his fifth and final season on netflix was just ordered um i wonder if lucifer will show up on sandman but in the meantime netflix has renewed lucifer for a fifth and final season season four released last month then I think this is pretty cool. The show had been canceled by Fox after season three. And so to come back at two epi- two seasons to end it how you want, get 10 more episodes like season four, I think that's good that Lucifer can end kind of how they want. Yeah, it's really nice when you when you get that opportunity. If, if, you, had the, if you have the chance to tell the story that you want to tell, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and also a new showrunner has been named for Why, which is FX adaption of Why the Last Man. So Eliza Clark, who's done Animal Kingdom, The Killing, and Extent, is now going to run the series. Um, so there's some 
things changed behind the scenes, but it's still expected to debut in 2020. That's what it was originally announced, but this doesn't seem like that's going to affect that timeline. Yeah, absolutely. And Clark said that she read the entire Why the Last Man series a decade ago. So I'm guessing she was a bit of a fan, which is cool to see. Yeah, that's always nice when the person doing it has read it and likes it. Uh, so there's also some small casting news for Titans. Natalie Gamid, who has been uh, on the Doctor Who Christmas special and IT ITV series Jekyll and Hyde, has been cast as Mercy Graves for Titans. And Drew Van Ecker has been cast as Garth slash Aqualad. Yeah, Mercy Graves, I wonder if we get to know this one a little bit longer than the previous two who have shown up in live action the last few years and not lasted very long. And I'm glad they're, I know a lot of people want to see Calder, the Calder version of Aqualad, who's gotten quite a few fans from Young Justice, but I am glad they're going with Garth first because he was the first Aqualad in the comics. So I'm glad to see that. I'm sure if, if the show is successful and goes several years, Calder will be brought in. Uh, and Batman, Wonder Woman, and possibly others are going to appear in a new Scooby-Doo and Guess Who animated series. Uh, they have a, a trailer for this on YouTube, but if you... This, I remember watching some of these old episodes of Scooby-Doo when they would bring in like the Harlem Globetrotters or something, but they, they have a history of bringing in like celebrities and other pop, pop culture characters onto the show. And so this is kind of a continuation of that tradition. Um, but the Batman that appears on there is going to be voiced by Kevin Conroy and Rachel Kimsey from Justice League Action is going to do Wonder Woman. Really cool. Really cool to see them crossovers. Obviously, Scooby-Doo is kind of an extended family member of the DC universe. He's had some comics and and crossover with DC characters way back in the day with Batman, uh, Batman the Brave and Bold recently. So seeing those, I hope to see quite a few DC characters on there. I don't know if they can all be as cool as Steve Urkel and some of the other guests they have lined up for the for the show, but this looks like cool Scooby-Doo stuff and, and seeing DC characters play a role is pretty cool. Yeah, and you can check it out. It debuted June 26th on the, the Boomerang streaming service. So if you have access to that, you can watch that. And some big DC Comics news. DC is going to close Vertigo, DC Zoom, and the DC Inc. imprints. looks like everything is going to be moving under the DC brand starting in January of 2020. Um, but this means Vertigo is closing, which has been around since 1993. Sandman originally was a DC title, moved over to Vertigo. Titles like that went to Vertigo, some of the darker, more adult-oriented stuff. And that's all going to be gone, so we'll have sort of age ranges. DC Kids will be for readers 8 to 12. Regular DC is 13 and older. And DC Black Label is going to be repurposed, and that's going to be more of a Vertigo or whatever stuff that traditionally went there, uh, and that's going to be for 17 and older. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is interesting. I don't know how big of a. We'll have to wait to see how big of a, an impact it actually has on the, the content that comes out. Like, are the the comics that you would see on Vertigo? Are we still going to get to see those types of comics under DC? I imagine so. Um, but this is definitely really really good fodder for like clickbait sites about talking about how all these things are dying and uh nothing's ever going to be the same again yeah um so I'm, I'm not sure how i feel about this i understand i think it kind of makes sense to put everything under the dc brand and, and get that dc label out there but it is weird to, i'm sure this will have some behind the scenes changes uh ongoing series are still going to be ongoing but you know, the Vertigo people working, doing specifically Vertigo stuff, presumably won't be doing that anymore. So unless they just get absorbed under Black Label, I don't know. But it is weird that Vertigo is gone and has done tons and tons of things. The upcoming Kitchen movie, uh, and that came from Vertigo. iZombie also came from Vertigo. Lots of things like that. 
um, some well-known comic book storylines and a lot of a lot of DC's adapted material in recent years has been from the Vertigo line. Yeah, I, I do wonder like if it almost dilutes what DC means. Like if you are going to keep all the same, like it was very easy to know like, oh, a Vertigo comment, you could you could almost tell without reading it that it was going to be have its own kind of style and be very different from the comics that you read with the little DC label on the front of them. And now that they're all under the same thing, it kind of changes what DC means when you're looking at the front of a comic. So you maybe don't know 100% exactly what you're getting yourself into. I don't know if that's a problem, but it does It does seem like it will be a change. Yeah, you, I guess you got to look out for that, that black label if you want that kind of stuff. But it's different. And then I think we it's too early to say how this could change anything going forward. But All right, well, that is all we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.